like if this was a whole song, I would listen to it. Yeah, of course. Hi, hey, welcome, welcome to back, the everyone. Existence with Katie well, and Lori. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hey. so today we will be talking about attachment, human connection. Um, let's see what else. Uh, connection, loneliness. Attachment and detaching. Okay. Yeah. So to begin today, I'm going to read the definition of attachment. Attachment is the emotional bond that forms between infant and caregiver. And it is the means by which the helpless infant gets primary needs met. It then becomes the engine of subsequent social, emotional, and cognitive development. The early social experience of the infant stimulates growth of the brain and can have an enduring influence on the ability to form stable relationships with others. With that being said... Yes. So I think connection, obviously, um, there are... You know how when people talk about, like, there's a vibe... Yeah. I feel like it's very much in pop culture, especially today. But connection is also based on like an energetic feel for mm-hmm. when it, when you're vibing with someone. And I think a lot of times we can misread the vibe or the connection or the chemistry. Now, while I see that the very, you know, rudimentary reasons for connection are for survival, like you, yeah. have, you have a tribe and you need to survive with those people like you know, your connection to your kids and the fact that we carry children in our wombs for yeah. 10 lunar months. Clearly, there's a, a deep connection there. So I think, you know, there's there's different formulas for connection. You know, you have your chemistry connection. You have your kind of deep, soulful mother-child connection. And then you have these uh, kind of formed connections outside of those relationships as well. And then you have different, like, I like to think of it like rings on a tree. You know, like I'm most deeply connected to these people in my inner circle. And then I have connections on the next ring out. Right. Connections on the next ring out and the next ring out. And those are probably predicated by the vibe. Right. You know, like you meet them and you're like. The depth of the relationship is different. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, um, and I think connection is, it's absolutely paramount to our survival because if you don't have connections with anyone you're lonely and lonely can manifest as tired disconnected sleepy not active um so depression uh, yes so it can be very unmotivating to not have quality connections yeah what do you got no i i agree i think that I, I don't know how I would do half of the things that I do if I didn't have the certain connections that I do have. So I do understand that those are very important. Um, I guess, so like when we talk about attachment versus detachment, that I think would be in a different way, uh, like the perception of, I mean, the, the understanding of attachment. So we're attached to someone or something. And I think that's where the attachment styles come in because of your initial attachment with your parent, whatever that attachment is, it becomes your attachment style in other relationships. Not just romantic relationships, but also friendships. Sure. Any type of relationship. I was gonna finish some more thoughts on connection before okay. we hit to yeah, sorry. <laughs> attachment. That's what happens when I don't have a, a an agenda or a syllabus. <laughs> I'm talking all over the place. It's okay. 
Um, so a healthy connection, there are signs of a healthy connection, which I think is a lead into mm-hmm. of having healthy attachment versus unhealthy or disorganized or we'll talk about those kinds of attachments. Yeah. Um, but one of the signs of a healthy connection is that you are present with that person. So your mind is not racing outside of the room. If it's Katie and I talking, we're not thinking about what's going on outside of well, our I mean, space. I mean, most of the time. Right. <laughs> right. Let's say I mean, neurotypical I think, people right. might not be. I mean, doing but that. also too, there are lots of times when you and I are completely present with one another and there's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. Not a lot else. No, yeah. No, we're present. Right. It's just we're also trying to spew out all the twenty things that right. are in the brain right. that we haven't talked about. Another uh, sign of having a healthy connection is that you are being your authentic self with this person. Um, So there's like, you know, there's that you that's you, and then there's the you that you present to everyone else. But in a healthy connection, you're you're able to be all of those things and still flow and vibe with the other person that you're connected to. Um, Another sign is that you feel open to share with this person yeah you feel open and safe to right. share things that so may not of, be like the most yeah savory happy thing yeah yeah <laughs> and that you, you know that's reciprocated as well mm-hmm. so that's kind of like a, a spinning wheel that's always moving um the another one is uh you feel empathy and kindness for the other person and vice versa so you're not like constantly getting your head chewed off by one side of this relationship Right. That would be an unhealthy connection. See, I was talking to a friend of ours today about this, actually. And we were talking about, like, triggers. And so, like, if you are triggered, how are you supposed to move through that with your partner? And I think that that depends on the level of where you're at with your partner. And we were talking about in a healthy relationship, I think that it would be, it, let's say we're together and I've triggered something in you. It's not about me, but you know, and you can say, hey, look, this particular thing is triggering something within me and I need to work on that. And I think that the the healthy relationship would be the other side would say, I appreciate you letting me know. How can I help you? How can I help support you while you move through this? Yeah. Right. Because it's not their job to help fix it. But by being in a healthy relationship, you're able to say, how can I help you grow through that trigger? Yes, yes. And I think, you know, looking inside of my own relationships, I look for those as signals of whether or not these are good, healthy relationships. Can I have that conversation? Yeah, how with can my we partner? move through this? Right. Or to even that vulnerability where you have to say, hey, pause, time out. This is triggering to me. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable right now and I need a break or I need to figure things out. And then their partner being like, I'm here to support you while you do that. That's right. that whole moving through your shit while they're moving through. The- yeah. It's a constant ebb and flow of that. And as long as you're in a safe, healthy connection, right. you should be. You should have that space. That communication yes. should be able to, it, it doesn't have to turn into a blow up fight. No, but, it shouldn't. But... That also requires for us to be self-aware. Yes. And if you're not aware of your triggers and you're just, you know, I have had this before in my life. Like, I didn't know what was causing me to to have that feeling. I didn't have the words to express how I was feeling about it. I didn't, yeah. I couldn't say, hey, boyfriend, it really hurts my feelings when you do this thing. And 
I didn't feel like I was in a space where that would be reciprocated and and worked through. Like safe. Like, de- yeah. Yes. Deal with your shit. Like, figure it out. Yeah. And I think that that's the difference between, like, healthy, long-term uh, relationships is being able to say, come to your partner and be honest, authentically honest, in a caring way and, yes. and speak it gently. And I think that that's the biggest issue in the communication is that if you're not self-aware, if you're not aware of your own triggers and things that are going to affect you, then you can't. How can you hold space for another person if you can't mm-hmm. know where you're coming from? I think, too, in in any relationship, because you have relationships where people have begun when they were children themselves, you know, like high school relationships, but somehow they've learned to evolve in yeah, that long term and say, okay, look, we're already on this road together. Like, whatever comes up, comes up. You know, they're not necessarily coming from a place where we are saying, okay, I've been single for this amount right. of time so that I could become right. more self-aware. They're in it. They've had to do it Figuring together. it out <laughs> as they go. evolution of Yes, so growth. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of uh, facets and variations to how that can be... Um, developed in your relationship so i think you know we look at it from a place of like okay look i took I'm, i took a sabbatical from everything <laughs> while i try to work on my stuff and you come back and you you kind of want to meet this person who's been doing the same the same work yeah. that you've been doing but i don't know that that is always going to be the case because there's the work is never ending right now it's, <laughs> you're right you're right but but also it's kind of like that um analogy that we made a few years ago dragging someone else down the river oh we had them tubes and tied up yeah and i was doing i told that story today women i told that story today i, I was, was towing like, everybody along and boy i was not happy hey, i was camper. helping too. yes but yeah we, we both, both were and you were like i'm cutting the tie i'm out yes and i i was so <laughs> scared to be there alone right. because i was like oh i don't want the, whatever is in the water or if i get stuck i don't want to be it there alone and so that's kind of symbolic too is yeah you were ready to you're like fuck it i'm out i'm out and i was like ah, i will drag these other people because i don't want to go alone that's where i was then right i'm not there any longer right. i'm Katie, like no Katie, everyone's like, nah. bye. Katie probably cut it before i would now she's like, <laughs> yeah the vibe is off i'm not doing this that's <laughs> oh, too much work like i'm willing to do the work if the work is being reciprocated and if the the people are doing the work too. Yeah. But I stayed in a place for far too long that I was the only one doing the work and it was going to drown me. You know what I think is important here that we mentioned about this too is that in, in healthy connections like that, you trust that the other person in the relationship is, is going to do the work too. Is always, they have your best interest at yeah. heart. Yeah. So that's a, that's a kind of a, a fail proof for me that like, you know, maybe... Maybe it was a signal that like I should not trust them because they did not give a rat's ass that we were humping it at the front. They were just chilling. But also, that's also where self-awareness comes in. Yes. If you're not into your self-awareness, you can't be into other people's awareness. You can't think of them either. And if you're not going to dig yourself out or if you're not going to swim yourself out, why would anyone think that they could help you do it no for sure and if i don't trust myself no one else can trust me right there there's plenty of time that's a whole nother yeah that might be next week let me me leave with some some questions that maybe you might see 
yourself in here if you have trouble making healthy connections. And then we will go into um, attachment because I feel like if you have questions here, it yeah, makes sense. Attachment or that you're over there on the other side. Too attached or detached. Right, right, right. Yeah. So here's some questions that might be coming up for you. Um, why is connecting with people so difficult for me? Are you always watching the way others are so comfortable around each other but just don't seem to understand how they are? Do you feel alienated from other people? Does social interaction leave you feeling anxious? Yes. Do you feel you have no real sense of self to connect to others with? And do you constantly get feedback that you are a difficult person or hard to understand? That's the one that I call the common denominator. So if you're in all these different environments and everyone is saying like, bro, nobody wants to fuck with you. If you meet one asshole, they might be the asshole. But if everyone you meet is an asshole, you might be the asshole. <laughs> and it's really hard. It's hard to look at yourself in the mirror. I've had to do it. It is. In different ways and many times. and. It's a hard pill to swallow and have to dig in and be like, well, shit, okay, well, where do I need to work, too? What is that Taylor Swift song? It's Karma? me, hi, oh, I'm yes. the problem, yes, it's me. Yes. But she yes. says it in the song. She's like, yeah. I'm going to own it. Like, yeah, I have been the problem. Yeah. So it's okay. Sometimes you just got to own it if you do Yeah, and, yeah. and look at it and how can I shift and how can and then we work better? Get some self-awareness. We'll take a break yeah. right here. We'll come back. We'll start talking about uh, attachment and uh, detachment. Bye. Bye. <laughs> it's so funny that we. Okay. We're back. Usually we just like go to the potty and fill up ice water or do whatever we need. Yeah, stretch take our a legs break a from bit. the headphones. Yeah. It, sometimes it gives me a headache. It does. It's, <laughs> it reminds me of like, remember when we were in school? Ear and sweaty? And you get like, uh, like really tight pigtails or like yeah. a tight ass ponytail. Uh, or a, uh, what was the that? Headbands? Headband, yeah. yeah. And you get off of school and you're like, man. Uh. Like I'm so now. done with this. Yeah, I'm done with that too. <laughs> All right, jumping back in. Um, so I wanted to talk about how connection and attachment can um, can kind of get a little confusing. So attachment is attachment has the power to completely take us away from the present. It keeps us either in the past or the future, longing for things to be final or permanent. Connection, on the other hand, makes room for the unexpected. Connection is intimate, synced vulnerable and present so we'll talk about attachment and attachment styles now i know you have a lot to say about that yes so i was researching i get most of my information from psychology today um, we can link some of those uh links to the website and the articles in the podcast at the bottom um, so attachment styles in adulthood have labels similar to those used to describe attachment patterns in children secure attachment anxious preoccupied which is high anxiety low avoidance um okay and i want to go back to the secure attachment 50 percent of the population have a secure attachment their parents must have been married for right their whole lives. <laughs> right i do wonder about that i'm like that's a bye that has to be is it a high percent or would, is it a low percent i would venture to say that the people who have a secure attachment saw like a very good oh yes for sure relationship between their their parents however that looks and then there's the anxious attachment, which is 20% of the population. Um, avoidant attachment, 25% of the population. And then there's combinations such as secure anxious or anxious avoidant. They're usually about 3 to 5% of the population. And then there's disorganized attachment. <laughs> this one <laughs> has a long um, explanation. It is, it's 
Disorganized attachment, which is the most extreme of the insecure attachment styles, <laughs> is hypothesized to be an outcome of abuse and trauma in childhood. For example, stemming from when an attachment figure, a parent, or anyone who has had a close hand in helping raise the child, offers inconsistent emotional support and or abuse. This can be verbal, physical, sexual, or the child witnessing an attachment figure commit a traumatizing act, such as a father hitting his spouse. However, attachment styles may be better thought as dimensional, whereas a person rates as a relatively high, low, or somewhere in the middle of the levels of attachments, um, related anxiety and attachment-related avoidance. Also, a person may not exhibit the same kind of attachment pattern in every close relationship, which we talked about off air earlier. Yes. Um, if you want to maybe talk about that. Right. So uh, Katie was asking me what attachment style I thought I had. And then she was guessing the one that I thought I had. And I was like, no, actually, I know that it's the disorganized attachment. And it's because of my childhood trauma that I am like this. And it is different in every relationship depending on depending on my energy, mm -hmm. like how confident I feel, how secure I feel within myself, and then how safe and confident I feel about this other person's ability to uh, show up for me, reciprocate, support, vice versa. So I think, you know, in those dimensions, like you can talk about somebody and say, okay, you know, I've been in therapy for 30, but I, I still have these things. Like I'm still trying to move through my attachment styles um, just because, I mean, I can't go back and change what my, my childhood looked like. Like, right. that is what it is. So I'm hardwired to be this way. Just like I'm hardwired to be, you know, kind of um, my head's on a swivel all the time because I'm like, I'm always worried about, like, I can read people from across the room by their facial the expressions. The hypervigilant state, right. fight or flight. Because I had to have that in order to keep myself safe. So I feel like my attachment style is is coming from the same area. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, I, I have, I think I have like a mixture of them yeah. as well. I'm more the anxious attachment style um, and I'm working through that. But I also feel like it is very specific to the person you're with. Yeah. You know, if you're in a very secure, safe relationship, you may not have as much of that anxiousness. You may not have that, are you what what's happening we don't know what's happening and then there are certain relationships that might feed that oh yeah and you know certain people might enjoy seeing that yeah and some narcissists yes <laughs> so you know it is it is dependent upon how you feel within you and how you feel within the relationship and i think <laughs> i can't speak from experience but i think that in a healthy relationship it is a lot more like how we spoke about earlier. Like, hey, look, this thing is triggering me. Here's what I need to do for myself. And here's maybe where I need you to show up for me, too. Yeah. Right. So, like, let's say if you're an insecure attachment, maybe you've been cheated on a few times. Um, that may show up in a new relationship. And if you're open and you're learning and you're growing, you might tell your your partner, hey, here's where what I've experienced in the past and this thing that you do kind of triggers that is there anything that we can work around that like maybe not like you have to change who you are but maybe like put in place some things that can 
build a safe space and then that can help dissolve a potential trigger. I think it's I think it's a, a, a large ask to ask the person that you're in the relationship with to for them to do something to quell your trigger. Just like earlier we were saying, hey look, I need to take a step back. I need to focus on my trigger because what you're doing now is you're enabling the trigger. So you're saying, hey look, I'm triggered. Can you please, let's just say, this is an extreme one, but let's just say, can you give me your cell phone? Let me go through your cell phone so that I can trust that you're not having I extra, think that's a little overboard. For sure. For the or, ask of the trigger. Or even the ask of this. Um, you know, if you're going out with the boys and you say you're going to be home at 2, can you please make sure that you're back at 2? Or give me or some Or if you're sort running of, late, some you sort let of me know. Call. Right, something, yeah. something like that. I think that's a fair mm. but I think, shift. But I think this is where the trust comes in. So if that is a secure attachment or if you're in a, a, a secure connection with this person, then you trust that they're going to come back. So I think the minute that you start to have distrust with your, your, your trigger you're projecting onto this person, now you're creating room for resentment and more distrust. So you're saying that that person... By asking you, hey, look, if you say you're going to be home by two and you don't come home till three, if they, if I they, have to just deal with that I on think, my own. I think if they call you and give you like a, hey, we're running late, we had to drop so-and-so off. Right, but how would happened. they know to do that? Some people may not think that they need to do that. I think you can have transparent conversations and say, hey, look, it helps for me if you're not here but that's when you what say I'm you're saying. going to be here. That, that is exactly what I'm saying. Is right, I'm saying. There are ways for your partner to support that possible trigger because in your past relationship if someone said hey I'm coming home at 2 a.m. and then they just didn't right and let's say that you're an independent woman and you're like fuck that I'm not calling my boyfriend to tell him I'm coming home late I'm a grown woman I can do what I want right I'm sure you've had that thought before I know you you're my friend um and so I usually don't have to but I don't have to call anybody like there's nobody that's waiting for me to call to make sure that I'm somewhere right but what, what I'm saying is if you live with your partner mm-hmm. and they go out and they say, all right, I'm going to be home at two. And you know that that's a trigger for you that if someone comes home late or you worried for them, right? It yeah, doesn't would, even have to be about like, I, a, I, like right. are you cheating on me? Worried. Like, oh my God, he said he was coming home at two. I know that they've been out drinking. Like, where are you? Are you okay? Right. And it, some people will sit in that space and be like, I don't have to call her and tell her. I'm a grown ass man. I don't have to do that. And you're right. Although you are a grown person, you don't have to check in. That is making the concession and holding the space for your partner's things. That's what I'm saying is in the event that that might be a trigger I that I'm... I think that's just a mutual respect thing. Yeah. But that's not like a, a, a concession to your but trigger. But not everyone feels that need for you to call if you're running late. Like but I think some people can go to sleep and not give a care and... It, Those are the some people we should not be shacking up with. Because what, if they it, go to sleep and you're not home? Or if... Well, what if I, you trust your partner? You're like, all right, you're going to be home at two. I'm going to sleep. And I and do then, do then that. you don't come home until I, four. I trust my partner. I go home and I go to sleep. I don't have to have a phone call letting me know. Right, but I'm saying in the event that you live with the person. Because that, that's a different shift too. Sure. If you live with the person and you're expecting them to be home when you roll over and you're like, oh shit, they're not home. I think that's part of communicating what you each expect from each other in when you live together. Yeah. When you live together, not just in a relationship, but if you are going to share a home, then you need to have those conversations of say, okay, look, you know, we both as 
single living people outside of this shared home did things like girls night Mm -hmm. every once a month where we go have ladies who lunch and we come back whenever we feel like coming back. (laughs) So if he has that expectation, like I know that she does this once a month, there isn't a need to have a conversation say, hey, if you're not, you know, like what time are you going to show up here? Like, you know, regular time, like whenever. (laughs) (laughs) Regular time, whenever. (laughs) But for real. But I think there is an expectation of behavior already established for people who are in those kind of relationships. Right. And so like we you, could say like our, one of our friends that we know that's married. Yeah. Or well, not technically. They're married. They're they basically married. are. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a good example of a secure attachment. Yes. They are very secure in their relationship. There is no like, oh, I don't know. Like they go do their thing and they come home and they might call each other and tell each other what's happening or what time they're coming home. I don't know. But I feel like that is one of the couples that I'm like, yeah, that is that's a healthy relationship. Yeah, no, I agree. And there's not a lot, not from what we see. Now, right. I, you know, they, I'm sure, have them themselves yeah, to everyone. themselves and then we have the, them to us. Um, but I agree. And I think, too, there's also support there. So let's say she comes home from Girls Night Out and, <laughs> you know, has a vomit bomb in her car. He's like, babe, I got you. I'm going to go clean it up. Yes. Like, so this, I ain't never seen nothing like that either. Right. So. Good for you. <laughs> so those are just, like, ways that he supports her in, in in her space, yes, her and, and like and letting her say, "Look here, go do what you got to do with yeah. the girls. I got you. I'm gonna hold everything down here, and I'm gonna hold you down when you get here." Yeah. So that's that's having that level of expectation in your relationship where those things are are spoken about. They're communicated, or you know, you've grown into them over the right. Long and sometimes haul. you don't know that these are going to be things that you yeah. might want to talk about ahead of time. You have to learn them in the moment. Sure. And that's what I'm saying is like, there's going to be moments where as, as humans, we are in spaces and yes, we do need to own our trigger and we need to work on that. But as our partner is there, they can help in a way that is not pulling them out of who they are to be a support to that. And I think that that's what I mean when I say I want someone who's working on their stuff too. Mm -hmm. Because I need someone to be able to hold space for, you know, little triggers. Little triggers, okay? And I'm not saying like massive emotional like I'm putting all this on you. Mm -hmm. It's just like where we know our shortcomings may be or where we know there might be some insecurity or attachment things. You can work through those things by being self-aware. But you're definitely not going to work through those things if you don't even know that what that is doing and how it's showing up and why it's coming in. Sure. And by having an understanding, you can then ask for support. Just the same way that you would with your friendships and your, your family. You know, like, hey, I'm going through this thing. Like, for me, I'm doing healing, right? And I've had conversations with people in my family and saying, like, you know, here's a thing that I've noticed that you do that affects me and so here are my here's my plan in the event that I'm triggered and I I'm letting you know ahead of time that this is what's going to happen that, right. I mean like that's if, like if this happens A I'm going to the boundaries you, B I'm going to just turn around and leave yeah. the area yeah you know and I think that's really um, it's really amazing and profound that you have a family that you can have that conversation with because not everyone's family is as receptive of that. So as much as frustration as we have with them about yeah. how they trigger you, let's also th- Oh yeah, no, I about, love like, the fact that I can have that conversation and say there are definitely people in my family that would never receive from me a message like that. 
So that's a big, big deal. I don't know how long we have been talking. And that is definitely a thing that they need to work on. Yes, I agree. <laughs> All right. So we'll move on to um, non-attachment and healthy attachment. Yes. And, um, you know, like... How do we detach from the outcome? I surrender. That was my motto. And that is that's freaking hard. It is hard because I always end up having that future attachment. Like, okay, so in five years, but I might not even be alive in five years. Right. Y'all could be watching this show being like, look at her. Remember her? She lit up the Stop room. Stop it. I'm just saying, it's always Where's the people this, that... This isn't real wood It's always the, light up, the people that light up the room that, that get whacked on those shows I watch. <laughs> All right, we'll come back and we'll talk about (laughs) (laughs) non-attachment. And we are back from our break. How's your blood pressure, Catherine? It's good. Okay. (laughs) All my deep breathing. That's right, take your breaths because breathing is life force and you need that, especially when shit gets a little hairy. And that shit has been hairy, like a lot. And wet and frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So talking it down from attachment, um, non-attachment is kind of like the like the middle ground. So um, it says non-attachment mostly calls to mind images of separation, of not caring, not being involved at all. It brings to mind like a spiritual bypassing, people who preach kind of cliches like everything happens for a reason or... You know, it is what it is. We're just kind of like, ah. So We've um, definitely said that to ourselves before. Absolutely. <laughs> just like I've told you sometimes, like, Katie, we got this. Knowing damn well. Yeah. We well, I mean, really sometimes that. that's all, like, we had to. We but, had to lie to sure, ourselves yeah. to be able to survive. Yes. yes. You're like, <laughs> that's the survival. I don't know how we got it, but we go, we go got it. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, because that's it. how we've <laughs> survived our whole life. We yes. just figure it out. So non-attachment is not the opposite of attachment. Detachment is the opposite of attachment. Non-attachment resides between the two opposite polarities, between getting too caught up in our experience and being completely cut off from all of them. So um, attachment is kind of too much involvement. Detachment's not enough. Non-attachment is very special middle that allows you to be fully present in what is happening without complicating it. So what you got on that? So we would strive for the non-attachment, right? Yeah. That's the one that people would right. want. Right, so non-attachment is, is not being cut off from the world at all, but removing all resistance to That's being That's the sense presence. of surrender, right? Surrendering to what is and what will be and what is for us versus what's not for us. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, that's really kind of how I date. Yeah. I, I, I say, okay, universe, if he's for me, let him stay, and if he's not, make him go away. <laughs> and usually they go away. That's another shirt. That's another shirt. Yeah. If he's yeah. for me, let him stay. If he's yes. not for me, make him go away. Trademark that. Do yeah, not, that's already that's ours. ours. You can't have that. Thank you. <laughs> Just like hashtag flowful. That's us too. So I was looking at a at an article on psychology today about attachment styles and um, changing your style. And so I want to read an excerpt from this. It says, although most people don't change their attachment style, you can alter yours to be more or less secure depending upon experiences and conscious effort. To change your style to be more secure, seek therapy as well as relationships with others who are capable of a secure attachment. Because that's something we didn't really talk about is how the other person's attachment style Mm -hmm. can affect 
positively or negatively. And briefly to touch on that, to say that we we typically attract people who have the opposite, either the opposite or the same. Oh, so it could be like super two avoidance. How do you even have? How do you even have because, a relationship because, with two avoidance? Like, say you have conflict, but you both avoid the conflict. Oh yeah, no, so then you just like we'll like never that. talk about that. Yeah. Oh Ooh. well, we don't. We don't. We can't clear this, and we can't get on the same page so we just put it over there yeah just put it over there it'll just be over there for later yeah i know people like that that's not good um i do heavily suggest therapy to those yes people. for sure um okay so seek therapy as well as relationships who are well, with others who are capable of a secure attachment if you have an anxious attachment style you will feel more stable in a committed relationship with someone who has a secure attachment style this helps you become more secure. And I think that was part of what I was saying too. Yeah. Changing your attachment style and healing from codependency go hand in hand. Both require the following. So if you feel like you've had anxious attachment or codependency, maybe some of these things can help you move out of that space. Heal your shame and raise your self-esteem. This enables you to not take things personally. Learn to be assertive. Learn to identify, honor, and assertively express your emotional needs, which is what we talked about. Mm -hmm. uh, risk being authentic and direct. Don't play games or try to manipulate your partner's interests. Practice acceptance of yourself and others to become less fault-finding. A tall order for codependents and distancers. Stop reacting. This can be a challenge because our nervous system is used to reacting automatically. It often entails being able to identify your triggers, unhook what causes them, learn to self-soothe, all which is hard to do on your own. Listen to YouTube exercise and read tips on self-nurturing or listen to our, our podcast. podcast. Uh, also, the last one is learn to resolve conflict and compromise from a we perspective. That's a huge one, I feel like, especially coming into my adulthood where I was very much, um, in my youth, I didn't have that. It was very much an attack each other place. And now in adulthood, in my relationships, I look for it as like, we're a, we're a team. Mm -hmm. We're on the same team. Your success matters to me. My success should matter to you. And we should be pouring into each other's cup. Right, it's not an it's not a push and pull of who's yeah, right, no. who's wrong. No, because we're on the same team, bro. Yeah, yeah. We can both be right, and we can both be wrong, and we can one can be right, and one can be wrong, and work through that for sure. Yeah, and and be able to say like, look, you know, you, you and I like to say this because I'm I'm just this way. Like, you know, this is where you got me fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> like. The F word is like my favorite word. It takes a lot of energy. I just want to say to not say it as much as I want to in this medium. Just say it. That's all. I do when it ne needs to right. really, because like you got me fucked up. Yeah. And then like sometimes I might have the other person fucked up. Mm -hmm. But we need to be able to call each other out on that in a gentle way. Right. And say, hey, look, you know, we didn't understand each other because, you know, for me, sometimes it'd be like your tone, someone's tone will trigger me and I'm like, oh no, I know you did not just, fucking, <laughs> I know you did not just speak to me like that. Yeah. But that wasn't what they meant. And, and for them, they're like, why are you, why are you blowing up like that? The whole West Bank is coming out. And I'm like, yeah, because you got me fucked up. So I have to check myself. Right. And, and, and it's, it's very mutual. There's something I think you glazed over a, a lot. You talked about a lot in that excerpt that I think we didn't really cover. And that was, codependency mm -hmm. and um so let me run down the 
signals of a codependent relationship. So um, there's a lack of genuine and honest communication. You need approval, like before you can do something. Like you, you know what you can and cannot do in your relationship. But if you need approval, um, that's that's codependency. Self care, your self care or their self care. You think it's selfish of them to do that. Um, you feel the need to save them from themselves. So like you're, you know, Captain save right there. <laughs> you have a hard time making your own decisions. Again, that goes back to that. You need approval. Like, I don't feel confident enough in my decisions. I need to lean back. Into, and this is not just in, a, in an intimate relationship. This can be in, in other relationships as well. Friendships, uh, children relationships, parent relationships, um, caregiver relationships, period. Uh, you feel like you can't say no. Hmm. You have abandonment issues. Hmm. You have trouble being alone. I don't have that. And I'm never alone because I have my inner monologue with me right. all the time. <laughs> uh, you feel lost when you're not with the other person. So it's like, you know how you talk about people like being attached at the hip? Mm-hmm. Like that kind of vibe. Um, you have low self-esteem. Cancel plans with others to be with your codependent relationship person. Don't set proper boundaries. Um, you could possibly feel trapped in this relationship. So that's people that are being like maybe abused in some kind of way, psychologically, physically, uh, emotionally, um, all of those ways. You feel anxious if you don't hear from them. Um, you have a history of codependent and abusive relationships. So we tend to repeat those cycles and do the same man, same different man. <laughs> situation so if you are if you do notice any of those things about yourself you know those are things that you definitely want to get with a qualified health professional on and work through so that you can cultivate and and you deserve better relationships you deserve high self-esteem you deserve to take up space and do self-care without someone you know thinking that that's selfish you deserve to be able to make decisions on your own and, and you're well and also the reason why really they feel like it's selfish is because they don't give that time to themselves for sure for sure and the codependency is a uh, kind of goes hand in hand with the anxious attachment and it also that's where it comes from too like what causes codependency in this article it says um our uh, people who struggle with codependency are said to have been raised amidst dysfunctional family dynamics they they may have had a family member or a close friend with an addiction or mental illness they may also have experienced childhood trauma which led to them feeling anxious or insecure about relationships however it is important to remember that anyone can fall into an unhealthy relationship pattern and all of those things that you read i have associated with at some point in my life in relationships and that's where the internal work and undigging and like how did this come about why did this attachment style come and then you figure that out and then you can work your your way out of it right yeah i think and then you know just don't don't uh we talk about doing a lot of this on our own, but don't don't think that none of us have gone to therapy. Oh like, yes, I'm currently in therapy. Right, don't think that we <laughs> we do this all just you know uh, all willy nilly uh, for fun. And, and you know what's awesome? I was talking to my therapist, and she mentioned, and I say mine, but it was it's actually someone else's. But she mentioned she was like, yeah, when I was talking to my therapist, and I was just like, that's so awesome because as a therapist, you may not feel comfortable telling people like I too have to go to therapy, but it's the whole knowing yeah. and doing and still needing the outside perspective and assistance. Oh, 100%. Like, think about someone that gets dumped on all day long with everybody else's 
yeah, juju, bad blah, or whatever it is. And some of that shit is really, really potent stuff. Where do they put it down? So right. you, a therapist has to have a therapist, has a therapist, has yes, a therapist. Yes, everyone. And it yes. kind of makes me feel better because like, you know, we talked about the self-doubt and the who are, who are we, whatever. And it just kind of goes to show like, there is no end. Even no. the people who have a, a degree in this still need that human connection with someone else to help them work through their shit. Yes. And, you know, we're never going to be finished. We're never going to be the know-all, end-all, be-all. And our experiences thus far in our life have brought us here. Yeah. And, you know, we are awesome humans and our experiences can help the shit that we've been through, if we can help someone not maybe be able to catch that before. Right. Or maybe during whatever. But I just, you know, it's, it's, it just kind of speaks to the fact that we do deserve to be here and take up space just yeah. like everyone else. Yeah. And, you know, in all actuality to have, uh, in the past few weeks since we've been doing this, so many people reach out to us. Yes, a DMs like separately. Just straight up gratitude of like, dude, I really like listening to y'all's podcast. I really think it's awesome what you guys are talking about. Um, it's really brave of y'all. Um, I wish I could do that. I get a lot of those messages. And, you know, my challenge to you is like, do it. It's uh, right. You know, Why not? If, if you build it, they will come. So just uh, freaking build it. And if you need help with that, holla at your girl <laughs> so uh, again we would like to thank uh, Brightway the Schmidt Family Agency yep. for accommodating us with uh, with everything to make this happen and um, I will offer it again Katie and I are in our uniform tonight she just has a little sweater on over hers and I put it's my black. jacket on the, <laughs> on the seat but uh, we wear all black most of the time I've been trying to spice it up and wear some colors but that's not usually who I am on the inside so <laughs> um, send us your black tees and we'll wear them and they will get distributed to our uh, cumulative about 10,000 followers so um, yeah I didn't realize that yes <laughs> So uh, that'll be it for us on this Thursday. And we hope you guys enjoyed it. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to us talk about uh, connection, um, attachment. And, and our own personal and bullshit. detachment. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, well, we weave those things in. Yeah. But I think, too, it, it, it kind of, it, it makes us human. And it's, it's why we can talk about those yeah. things. Because we know that that is where we are with them. Yeah. So if you can find something here that makes you... Um, recognize a part of yourself too and and to not feel shame like yeah yes i didn't ask for this yeah there's a lot of people in this world with these types of attachment styles and there is hope there is a way out there There are tools and we want to help bring those to a lot of people that may not have it in their in their direct communication yeah uh, the direct connection Circle. Pod. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Connection pods. Katie yes. will link the articles uh, from Psychology Today so that you can read yes. them if you feel like you need to. I'm sure there's other links yeah. inside of those links. So if you need to take a deeper dive to convince yourself. It's a lot of really good information. There. But yeah, it is a really helpful tool. So thanks for stopping by again. And uh, we'll see you guys next Thursday. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>